Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at www.audibletrial.com forward slash swoopsworld. Over 100,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. That's audibletrial, A-U-D-I-B-L-E-T-R-I-A-L.com forward slash swoopsworld. You're listening to the Talk Story Radio Network. Welcome to another edition of Swoops World, right here on the new Talk Story Radio Network. Swoops World, where you get all you need to know about arts, culture, news, and happiness. Our number, if you want to give us a call tonight, is 562-912-3444. You can always email us at swoopsworld at gmail.com, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter. Once again, if you want to give us a call, that number is 562-912-3444. Now just sit back and enjoy Another edition of Swoops World on the new Talk Story Radio Network. Welcome to another edition of Swoops World Late Night. It is February 8th, 2017. Looking forward to a big night tonight. We're going to have Anthony Davis on and we're talking to him about a, a few things, uh, including the Super Bowl and, uh, you know, what, the, what a game that was. And uh, so it gets his thoughts on what he thought was going on and how he liked it and how much he enjoyed it. And, of course, there's always a bunch of other topics we'll be chatting with AD over. Hope everybody's off to a great start this week. And it's hump day, man. Hump, 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 hump day. And uh, looking forward to the rest of the weekend. Uh, you know, here in the SoCal area, we had a little bit of rain, but all things are good. So we're going to get right into this and jump onto this. You're listening to Swoops World on the Talk Story Radio Network, sponsored by HealthyNewDay.com. We'll be back right after this. Hey, how you doing? This is Joe Walsh. I'm speaking on behalf of Rad. It's okay to rock and roll, right? But don't drive home drunk. If you're drunk, call me up. I have a limo. I'll come and get you. Sleep all day. I'm on Public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. Every day I wake up at 5 to give Dad his medicine. Every day I wake up at 5 to give Dad his medicine. At 6, I make his breakfast. Every day I wake up at 5 to give Dad his medicine. At 6, I make his breakfast. At 7, I shower. Every day I wake up for at 5. For those caring for a loved one, we hear you. That's why AARP created a community to help us better care for ourselves and the ones we love. Visit aarp.org slash caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. And now we have an eight-year-old on the line. Welcome to our world today. What's your question? Our continents make up 29% of the Earth's surface, meaning that 71% is comprised of water. Man automatically adapts to environmental conditions. So why do I need to take swimming lessons? Are you ready for kids who eat healthy? Good nutrition can lead to great things. To find out how a healthy lifestyle can help your child succeed, go to mypyramid.gov. Brought to you by the Ad Council and USDA. 
Look for a little rock. Now you can share the topics that drive the discussions of your favorite talk shows with TalkStream Live's topic-driven talk radio. we got to talk. Take a drive. List and promote real-time talk radio topics or post the topics that you want to hear. Hot topics are tweeted and retweeted and include simple click-to-listen audio links. The future of talk radio is topic-driven talk radio. That's what I call real drive. Available now at TalkStreamLive.com. Talk Story Radio. Hey, there's a shot on the wall, and you're listening to Swift's World. And welcome back to Swift's World on the Talk Show Radio Network. And uh, time to get AD on the line. What do you think? Let's give this a try here. Boop, 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 boop. Good evening. I'd like to welcome back to the show our good friend and colleague, five-time national champion out of USC, two-time All-American, played the NFL as well as uh, all kinds of FLs. How are you doing, AD? Welcome back to the show, brother. I'm doing fine. Now you get to put all those FLs on there, huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, it, I did do that. <laughs> Hey, so many things to talk about. It's been a while since we had a chance to chat, and uh, we're going to talk about a number of things, and uh, including the Super Bowl and some uh, some changes in college football. But uh, one of the big stories this week is uh, about uh, 30 past NFL players are donating their brains uh, uh, to, uh, to science research for the CTE. Uh, I'm sure you heard about that, and I want to get your thoughts. Well, first of all, you know, this is a serious issue. CT is nothing to play around with. I didn't think I have low levels of it uh, as I'm living because, you know, they can only diagnose it in, in the autopsy and in, in death. But, you know, I'm one of those parents that's going to donate their brain too. So uh, that's a that's a big thing. That's a big deal. And, and I think these, these players are just putting everything on notice. Listen, some consequences to playing, you know, contact football and contact sports, period. And uh, that's a major statement, as far as I'm concerned. You know, uh, you know, at, like with me, the aiming clinics and what I do is I try to make bring the awareness of that. You know, as you know, I'm the first guy of 170 70 NFL players who had his brain scanned. So that at the aiming clinics, they call me the father of the brain study. I take that with pride. But the thing is, uh, I'm out to. Put the word out that the, at the clinic we're willing to help all former players and anybody who has brain injury. And so, uh, and I'm the big advocate there. And, and if these ball players are going to donate their brains, I think that's monumental. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, you know, like you're saying, they can't, they really can't do anything uh, to to, to chest, test it or check it out until after you know after the during the autopsy. I know I talked to. Uh, I can't think of his name right now, but uh, an attorney who's been involved in this uh, that you know, who said there, you know, hopefully there's a way that they'll be able to uh, diagnose it or test it in, in living people uh, sometime on the horizon, but uh, we're not there yet. Uh, so these donations were, will go a long way for people to be able to check out and see what kind of damage has been incurred over the years uh, with a lot of these different sports. 
Well, the thing is, well, the thing is, what I'm trying to advocate to the former players and current players to sort of prevent some of that or most of it is at the Amy Clinic we have a program that you can go to steer off a lot of that. So if you know that you will develop CTE and you already have CTE, I'm just I take something based on what I've already known and learned over the years. I've been with the clinic for ten years. There? What I'm advocating that you you take you take the you take you take if you if he's gonna if they're under our program, the fact is I take I take and work on my program because I I I, I my whole deal is I think I already have CTE. Right. And I you know even if they don't have a test for the living, I'm assuming that I have CTE low levels of it because I've been treating my brain twice a day for ten years. And I want every former player and current player, current player in the day, to start treating themselves and uh, come talk to us at the Amy Clinics. Because, with, in my opinion, we the, we're the only ones that have a comprehensive program that can help rehab the brain through a supplement program and in uh, hyperbaric chamber tr- treatment. And then, you know, getting diagnosed. I mean, everybody's problem is different, varies from one player and another person to a person. But the bottom line is when you have brain trauma, there's issues with brain trauma. And, and it, affect, it affects every individual differently. Absolutely. And that's the reason why when you have guys that have brain injuries, you ever like them, they're on painkillers, you know, they go on the marijuana, they got on, go on the alcohol, they go all kinds of stuff to stay off whatever their issues are. When, when, when you went through the treatment and – you know, got tested and stuff like that, that you noticed the improvement in your day-to-day activity? Well, first of all, I, I, first of all, I fought it off. When, when, when Dr. Amon came and, and asked me what I thought about with my concussion situation, he told me, well, you've had three concussions based on what we've seen. And, and, then, and then when he said, you, you know, we diagnosed, diagnosed your brain at 85 years old, I looked at him like he was crazy. There's no <laughs> way I have a brain of an 85-year-old man. And so, you know... Uh, I started taking, I was under the program, working with it, Then, and I think I was like four or five months, I was like four or five months into taking the product. I went up to a place called Bass Lake, California. I left all my supplements back to Southern California. And, you know, that week, that weekend for four days, it was a long weekend that I think the time I went up there, I, I noticed a difference. And that's when I became a believer. And I've been on it ever since. And I've, t- I've seen a major difference in me, my attitude. And I definitely know, I, I definitely can say I was flawed years ago, believe it or not. I can honestly say that now. Because when you're getting hit in the head several times, uh, it does damage. Yeah. And I was damaged. And I'm still rehabbing my brain. And I like to see my colleagues currently and, and, and past to do the same thing that I'm doing. Let's uh, change change gears real quick. Uh, we we were talking about you know in the past we talked about Alabama and Kiffin and then Kiffin left and then you had Sarkeesian take over and Sarkeesian took over for one game and then today is or this week's news stories he's moving over to uh, the NFL. Man, that just, that just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm baffled. My mind is blown. I mean, I don't know. Okay, first of all, he comes in as a psycho, like a consultant type to Alabama to uh, 
to the Alabama program. Now, I know people around the league, around football, especially around the USC family. How did that happen? You had you had Lane Kiffin, you have Sarkeesian. Right. And I don't understand that. I mean, he, he takes over from Kiffin during the, the, the national championship week. And I always thought, I know that was a distraction to the team in the whole program. It has to be. You have a coach, you have a coordinator for the whole year, and it's very disruptive to change coaches like that, especially with a quarterback, a young quarterback, who was committed to to, uh, to Lane Kiffin. Right. Whatever your thoughts are, and whatever and whatever you what was going on, I believe that you don't you don't disrupt the cart like that in a championship game a week before the game. That that is to me, that's very disruptive, and that's very disruptive to a team and a program. And I have to, and I, I would have to feel that a lot of the the powers that be around Alabama and just the alumni of Alabama has to have a problem with that. That that was very disruptive. Yeah, you think that, um, like you said, going into the last game, which is a championship game, to, uh, you know, replace guys at that time, and then this guy only stays for one game and then leaves, it's hard, and, and they've already, I'm started moving into this season, they're already working on what's going to happen, coaches getting acclimated to the players and whatnot, and now he goes up and leaves, so it's, and now they're going to be dealing with their third uh, coordinator in just about six weeks. Well, <clears throat> yes, I mean, to, to me, that's a program killer doing that type of stuff. Now, as everyone knows, you know, Coach Saban keeps a tight rein on, on Alabama, which has shown over the years of how he's and he's always been in the national championship hunt ever since he's been there. But, but it comes, it's going to come a time where, you know, your program might fall based on the moves you make in your program. I hope that's not the case, Alabama, because they've been good for college football. But you, but, but to, to have three coordinators within a period of what four, three years, and, and it's great. That, and it's great that Saban's has kept it together. But I mean, to me, that's that's, that's bad medicine to do that. I mean, and now that that can affect your, in my opinion, that'll affect your recruiting program too. Now, if, if for example, for example, they have a losing season next year, then. Which I don't think that's going to happen, but I think they're going to struggle a little bit because of that. Uh, because when you know when kids get recruited, when I tell kids when you go to a school, if I'm talking to parents having to come up to me and talk, I say, look, don't go to the, you go to the school first for academics. Don't go to the school just for the sports program because coaches leave like you know jumping jacks. I mean, yeah. you know, they'll tell you one thing the next week and they're gone. You know, now everybody's thinking they everybody's thinking the Alabama program the Sarkees is going to be and then what a month what a month later he's gone. He's going to the National Football League. And, you, and you, know, you know, it gets me about that, too. I was Some FC guy was talking to me today. He was saying to me, well, A.D., how can that happen? I mean, Richie McKay is is the president. I don't know if J.K. McKay is down there working with his with his, his brother. But it's, isn't it ironic that Sarkeesian was under J.K. McKay and Pat Hayden, and now he's down there under Richie, Richie McKay? Now, I don't understand how that can happen. Was was Richie McKay told to do that, or what? I mean, does he have? Didn't he have some saying to who's going to be a coach down there? I mean, I'm sure he's aware of what happened at USC and the problems <laughs> left behind that. So, so they, I was getting questions, and I, I thought, you know, something right. You, you do have a point there. You know, so I don't know whether or not J.K. McKay is down there working with his brother, but the fact that his brother is the president of Atlanta, Atlanta Falcons. And Sarkeesian left USC on the terms that he did. That would be a big, 
red mark and a question mark for me. Well, maybe they figure they give them a second chance. Maybe they're going to be the new Raiders. Well, I mean, you know, what I don't get is, look, I know Richie McKay and J.K. McKay talked all the time. I know that. They're brothers, okay? And they come from a, a background of a great coach like John McKay. Right. Now, I'm trying to figure out how that decision was made of Sark coming into, into that Atlanta Falcons program with Rich McKay being there based on what happened at USC. That's what the alum, this alumni guy was asking. How can that happen? It has to be some bad taste in, in, in the mouth about that because of what happened at USC and the behavior of Sarkeesian at USC with, you know, his so-called drinking problem. And if I understand, I think he went to arbitration on some kind of deal he had, some kind of lawsuit or whatever. I mean, and then something happened with that, and now he's with Rich and McKay. I don't know. It, it, it's very confusing to people around the USC family. Yeah. Lots of times we see the same names, uh, you know, seem to link up over collegiate or NFL and whatnot. I know there's a lot of relatives that are, you know, employed throughout the league. Um, you know, you could talk about the Ryans. You, you, there's, a, there's a number of people. And and you see a lot of connections through schools and stuff like that. So I know what you're saying is based on what he the reason he left USC, the cloud that was over his head when he was there, and and things like that. But does it really surprise you that he still has a USC connection uh, moving into this position? Man, that just gets me, period. I mean, I don't see how it is. I don't even know how – I don't know how people can keep a job like that. I mean, I, I know if certain guys did that, they wouldn't have a job at all. I mean, how do you how do you keep being recycled like that based on what the kind of, the kind of baggage you have? I mean yeah. – would the ball players have problems with you? I mean, if I was a ball player and I knew he had that kind of problem, I would question whether or not I can depend on him to be very precise in, in play calling and practicing and, and working over playbook. I mean, I would have a problem with that. Is this guy going to be flawed every day that he comes on the field? Is he going to be consistent? Is, has he totally rehab? I mean, that would be my question. But, I mean, no, some guys on the professional ranks would say, hey, you know, that's the professional – uh, that's the ownership, and that's the general manager, the health, and they're going to pay me regardless. Well, some guys that take pride and want to win and want to be on top of their game, they want to know that this coach is going to be right in the trenches when it comes down to the third and fourth quarter where they're determined to win a game. I mean, so I don't get it. I mean, I don't get it. He's got nine lives. I mean, from Washington to USC, Alabama, then Atlanta. Oh, I don't get that one. I mean, he's got a job, great. But I don't get how certain folks can keep landing on their feet when other people who are decent people don't even get a shot at all. Because there's, there's a lot of quality p- coaches out there that's not even getting an opportunity. Right. I mean, he went from collegiate level to the gutter back up to the to the highest of football. And as a coordinator with the, NF, the reigning NFC champions. When do you think someone has paid their dues? Uh, I would assume that... Um, um, in Alabama, they wouldn't they wouldn't have kept him there if he was having the same issues. Uh, they wouldn't have, they wouldn't have hired him if they thought he had the same issues. They wouldn't have promoted him if he had the same issues. So, you think he's done his time and paid his dues? Well, some camps people say no, and some people say, "Well, yes." But you mean he's only been out? You know, he's only been out out of the water, hot water for years. So, I mean, you know, I mean, a lot of people say that's nothing. 
A lot of people just take just take six months to break everything and clean the system out, mentally and physically. I mean, you know, then some people say, well, hey, he's a great play caller or whatever. I'd say that what happened with the Alabama National Championship, that was very disruptive because the way you, everybody has it, calls games differently. I don't care how good or bad you are, they call their games differently, and certain players get acclimated to a certain coach. So I don't really think that he's clean cut. I think he still has the issue because I've, I've been around alcohols my, all my life. My father was a devout alcoholic, so I know that he's never been clean. His man, that man is 90 years old now. So, I mean, here's a man who's had a problem and had a problem for a long time based on the information coming out. So I don't know what the ownership of Atlanta think, what's this thinking. I don't know what Richie McKay is thinking about it. I have no clue what's going on. And you will find out next year if the Atlanta Falcons, are not back there in that NFC Championship situation, there's going to be a lot of questions raised. That's my opinion. That's my football opinion. And as it is now, uh, there's already a bunch of questions going on how they lost that game the way they lost it. So if they're bringing a new offensive coordinator like Sark with, with the, so-called, the so-called problems he's had. I hope he's changed. I hope he's gotten better. But you'll never know until next year. And you'll right. see you'll see right, away, right off in the first three or four games of the season with him with, with Matt Ryan. See, the, the problem is I feel for the players now because they got a new coordinator. New coordinator, new, new approach to the game, and the whole system. I mean, it, 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 it changes when you have another person in there, especially at the coordinator position. Not a position coach, a coordinator position is very important. Defense and offensive coordinators makes, makes a difference in your team. They not only make a, the, the difference in the team because – you know they they set the tone and they they call the plays and stuff like that, but but it also you know leads to whether they re- recruit in the future, and and the 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 type of players that they are able to recruit. Well, I mean, you know, when you got free agencies bouncing around the league, trying to decide what team they want to go to, and every team, especially and every team is and every team's inching a certain free agent, uh, and offensive. Since we're talking about offensive coordinator. That could be a deciding factor on how, how a guy comes to a team. Yeah. See, a lot of guys today, if they're in the position to go to the team that they want and every team wants them, then, you know, that could that can determine whether or not a player comes to a team or not based on what this coordinator is about. Now, now, like I said, you'll see how everything works out with Matt Ryan and Sarkeesian next year. That's going to be very interesting, very yeah. interesting. And you're going to see how the new the new head coach at the San Francisco 49ers, Shanahan, is going to do up there based on what happened with the Atlanta Falcons. Do the ball players at the San Francisco 49ers feel confident that he's going to do well up there? Well, we have to wait and see. You've, you've mentioned see, the 49ers. Ball, say that again. Ball players, ball players gravitate to a coach based on his coaching philosophy, and how they believe in what he's doing. If, if ball players believe in that coach and believe in that system, they're gonna they're gonna go hard gun hole for for that coach. But if they question certain things and question certain calls, they're gonna have problems with it. I'm just gonna tell you that. And it's like, that's on all levels, especially in the professional level. I mean, that's the reason why I would go back to the Bill Belichick to the world. He's only one of them. Everybody respects with Bill, and no one questions Bill Belichick and his staff. No one. Because they figured, well, 
the Messiah stepped on the field. He'll figure a way out. He'll know. Well, the way it's looking now, it seems it looks like that way the way he came back on Atlanta. <laughs> so it's only one it's only one Bill Belichick. And I can tell you, you can say whatever you want about a Bill Belichick around. Everybody in the in the league would love to play for Bill Belichick. I'm willing to say that. So now like Shannon ain't going to San Francisco. He's definitely gotta prove himself. And and I can tell you, I don't know if he's taking a lot of the blame, but I can tell you, the way they lost to the Patriots, twenty eight to three and lose like that, man, that's that's a lot of question marks there. Yeah, we're a gonna, lot of them. We're gonna get to that in a second. I just I wanna stay in Shanahan for a sec just a second. You've talked about the forty ers in the past and you talked about you know, it starts the head office. Uh, right. Would Shanahan come in there? There's still the same people in place at the head office. Do you see a change in the organization? Well, obviously, obviously, everyone, and they are, they better know that some issues with it at the top. Because Jim Harbaugh is, was a winner up there. Now, they had a conflict with, with management. Now, Harbaugh's gone to Michigan. He's winning. He's turned the program around up there. But everybody talks about Colin Kaepernick. Well, hey, you guys are two plays away from winning the Super Bowl with Kaepernick and Harbaugh. So you can't, you, can't, you can't blame Kaepernick because if you have the right situation, the right coaching situation, Kaepernick, Kaepernick flourishes with the pieces around. So he's all, as far as I'm concerned, and a lot of other people are concerned, he's a proven entity. So it's got to be management to the coaching staff. And so you can see what happened this past two years. What happened? They just went. They went straight down after after Jim Harbaugh left. They went straight down in some key retirements. They went straight down. But but Colin Kaepernick. Put it this way. Let me say this to you. If Colin if Colin Kaepernick was with the New England Patriots, he'd be a monster <laughs> because of the Belichick touch. I'm going to say he's the minus touch. The Belichick the Belichick touch. Okay. <laughs> and that's what exposed everybody. If, if if he's with a Belichick, he's a monster. That combination, and you see what happens with Belichick and Brady. What they do, they dissect, they they, they, they dissect a team and a team defense. It was proven against. It was proven this past Super Bowl. So I'm just saying, to you, the 49ers are exposed by the fact that of, of the presence of a Bill Belichick in the National Football League and everybody else. Speaking of Bill Belichick and Tom Brady and the Patriots, uh, quite a game this past weekend. Uh, you, we've talked in the past that the Patriots, they, the Belichick's plan, they, the game plan, they know what they're going to do. They, they bring people into the organization who have been overlooked by other organizations. He's got a guy starting who played lacrosse in college. Um, you know, you look at the sideline during the game, even when they're down by points, Belichick's expression doesn't change. He doesn't look even worried. He's just writing his little notes down. Brady doesn't look worried. None of the players on the sideline look worried. And they go into halftime, and they come back, and they just start scoring and start scoring and start scoring. 31 on extra points, and they end up winning the game in overtime. First of all, let me say this to you about Belichick. He's given these coaches in the league psychological issues. They're intimidated by him. 
They're trying to figure out, and they're beating their heads, okay, how are we going to beat this? Okay, Bill did this, and we got to do that. Or should we do this because Bill did that? I mean, they got these people biting their he, – he's got coaches biting their nails. That's not supposed to be that way. I mean, that's, 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 the Belichick, that's the Belichick touch, man, I'm telling you. This guy is unbelievable. And the thing that, the thing that I want everybody to hear my voice and tell them, all you folks listening out there, let me say this one thing to you. When you got a coach, when somebody can go come from another team they discarded from and can come to the Patriots and they become a superstar and be going to the Super Bowl and win a Super Bowl, you take like LeGarrette Bunt. I know everybody talks about the marijuana situation, but let me tell you something. LeGarrette Bunt got two Super Bowl rings on his hand and the Steelers let him go. Yeah. So what does that tell you? You had Randy Moss that came up there. one game away from the Super Bowl, pound for pound, was probably his best year in pro football, even though he's going to come down as one of the one, two, three top rate receivers in, of all time. But he went up there, pound for pound, that one year was the best season of his career because of the Belichick situation. If you hear Randy Moss talk about playing with Brady in uh, that year he played at the Patriots, you'd think he played his whole career there, man. He has nothing but mad respect for that organization, that quarterback, and that coach. Let me tell you something. You know, I saw the Super Bowl. I saw the tension after the Super Bowl between uh, Kraft and Goodell. Man, I tell you, if I, I needed a machete to cut that butter. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it seems like the commissioner couldn't get off that stage fast enough. Oh, he could not. He could not. And you know what? I'll be honest with you. That was the moment I was looking for all year. I wanted to see him have to hand that trophy over to to, to you know, Kraft and Belichick and Brady. I just think it was well deserved. And you know, he was he looked uncomfortable. Uh, like you said, he couldn't get off that stage fast enough. And I, you know, he was getting booed by the crowd. I think he's got a rough, tough road to hoe in uh, in the NFL these years. See, first of all, it's one thing you said. Okay, Brady got suspended for four games. And, th- and, and they th- went three th- and th- one. Th- yeah. And this is what and this is what got me high respect for, for Belichick. When he took two different quarterbacks and went three and one, and then Brady came in and didn't miss a beat and went to the Super Bowl and won it. I mean, I had tons of respect for Belichick then. Let me tell you something. It's off the chart now. Yeah. For him to do that because when you have a player like Brady that's out for four games, most teams, that would kill the season. That would kill the season. Yeah. As a matter of fact, a lot of people across the league felt that the fact that Brady was out, that was going to kill their season. Well, it didn't. Well, that, see, that's the genius of Belichick. I mean, it's like, it's like, it's like, it's like he had, a, he had a, a Corvette that had a blowout, and he couldn't find the rim. He made, you know, he made a rim and put it on the Corvette and kept going until, until the real rim came to it and put back on it. And, and, and that's the proof in the pudding for myself. I'm telling you, that's unbelievable. And I yeah. tell everybody that I know, if, if, if I was to play pro, if I was being pro, if I wanted to play pro football again and I had opportunity, I'd want to be with the Belichick. I'd want to be with the Patriots. And I can tell you, most ball players in the league will tell you that. A lot of guys, if, if they would have nerve to go public, say, I'd love to play for the Patriots. Most of them oh. will tell you they want to. Yeah. And I believe some ball players take his cut and pay to play with the Patriots. 
well, you 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 look you look at some of these players that that were they were on the team. I think uh, they talked to um, Howie Long's son. Uh, he you know he played nine years I believe with, with the Rams or something like that, or, or three seasons with the Rams and won nine games. Um, you know, and he talks about you know the route he took to get there, and I'm sure he's not making the kind of money he was making when he was with the Rams. Uh, but he says, you know, it's a team effort. It's all about looking out for as a team. Uh, you could tell that these guys have a different attitude than other teams he's played with. And, and so I think you're right. I think guys will take a cut and pay to play there, have a chance to go get a ring. And some of these guys have multiple rings. I mean, you, I saw an interview with Malcolm Butler. You know, he's got two rings in three years. Three years in NFL, he's got two rings, uh, both the, two of the most exciting Super Bowls ever to be played. And he says, and he says, he goes, man, I'm just blessed. I'm blessed to be here. He says, it's it's where I'm at. Uh, people took a chance on me. He says, I'm blessed to be here, and I love every moment of it. And just remember this. You know, also, too, about the Patriots situation. Just remember this. The Patriots take people that nobody wants. There's, some of the, there's something that Belichick and his system and his, and his coaches and scouting people, what they see in players that other coaches miss and scouts miss, Okay, what are those guys smoking? Why is this man able to get ball players that nobody wants, and they flourish? Right. That's that, that's the genius of Belichick. Okay, and they, and they run a tight ship from from Bob Kraft, Belichick, and all his staff around him. The offense, and then you got and then you and you got Tom Brady, who's who's, who's, who's leading the ship on the field. I mean, it, it, there's a well-oiled machine. I mean, it's unbelievable. It doesn't mean some mess of beat. He said, hey, man, look, I'm going to put this carburetor on my engine right now, and then we're going to still beat people with this, and then I'm going to put the real in, then we're going we're gonna to put the metal to the pedal. That's what they do. And then, and then and as a former player, I can look on the sideline and look at coaches. Man, you know something? Wow. It, it, he, he, he takes them right out of their own arena when he's coaching against them. Now, Atlanta, they were celebrating in the third quarter. Yeah. I said, I told the guy at the Super Bowl party I was, uh, I, was I said, you never count the Patriots out, and they shouldn't be celebrating. What happened? That fourth quarter came. The Falcons sent him to feel too long. I don't know what Shanahan was calling that sideline, but all they had to do was play clock manager, run that ball, and the run and their running game they only had five running plays in the second half. What were they thinking about? They should just – and the, the thing that people are – was really upset about now, especially down in the Atlanta area, is that how the common the common Joe knew what all they had to do. It wasn't rocket science. All you had to do is, is, is have ball control, clock management, run the ball. Well, That's all they I, had to do. I don't. Th- I don't think they were. You know, they weren't getting the kind of yardage they were getting the first half. Uh, the offense. Their offense was off the field for an hour, 20 minutes or something between halftime and the last time they had the ball. I think they just came out cold and they just couldn't get their, get things back in gear. But you got to look at the the kind of guy Belichick is. You know, they're interviewing him after the game. And his and here's listen to a quote he has. He says, we're going to enjoy this, but to be honest, we're five weeks behind on our 2017 prep. So there's a guy who is focused. He's hyper-focused. Uh, you know, he's he's – Looking at this, uh, we should be five weeks ahead for this se- this coming season. So I think 
when you talk about a guy like that and preparing a team that way he prepares a team, yes, there might have been some bad decisions on Atlanta's part, but the the Patriots were never out of this game, and they were never going to quit until that last second ticked off the clock. You couldn't tell you couldn't tell Atlanta that. Now <laughs> <laughs> you're telling me you're telling me Lady Gaga stayed on the on the stage too long. And, the, and, and Atlanta got cold, and, and that energized the Patriots. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, you know, I mean, it doesn't matter. They all were in the locker room the same length of time. So I'm just talking about, I mean, you, you had to figure out a way. I mean, you know, you, you got to figure out a way, and, and, and that's why Belichick is so good. He figures ways out. He figures it out. He dissects other teams. You know, see, Atlanta rested on their morals, and, what I mean, God, 90, 93 plays, I think, to 46 plays. That's why they yeah. lost, and that's why the, the defense was tired. They were on the field too long. Defense was wore out. You got to coach for that, too. Yeah. That was, uh, that was, that was a huge uh, number right there. Even at the halftime, uh, the Patriots had the ball almost twice as many plays as the Falcons, and like you said, the defense was on the field a long time, and they were just wore out, and they just, just couldn't keep up in the, by the end of the third quarter and going into the fourth quarter. Yeah, you know, I, I was noticing how they were just chipping, 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 they throw a little bit, chipping, 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 and, you know, and psychologically, you get tired just thinking about stuff. You know, physically, they were worn out as well as mentally they were worn out. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, uh, they were always on their heels, in the third and fourth quarter, Atlanta was. You know, it was a whole, it was two different games. It was a two different games. The first half was one game, the second half was another. And, I mean, and, 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 and the fact that what Brady and Belichick did, that's legendary. I mean, it's legendary. Yeah. There's one thing this guy said to me today, there's one thing you and Tom Brady have in common. I said, you can compare me to Tom Brady? He says, well, <laughs> You're the only guy that's got five championships. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know there's another guy got five rings, too. His name is Marv Fleming. But, you know, he you know, he, he said, well, you, you, he got five in the NFL and you got five in the collegiate club. I said, well, you're right about that. See, so, you know, it's, it was great. It's impressive the number of times that they've been to the Super Bowl. And the number of times they won it now too, and you know, and you people I hear people talking. They say, "Well, I'm tired of seeing the same team there," and it's not like they get a pass to get there. These guys, it's just as hard for them at the beginning of the season to get to the Super Bowl as it is for all the rest of the teams in the league, and for teams to consistently, yeah, can consistently get to the championship games, whether it's basketball, baseball, or football. They've put in some hours, man. They've done. They've done the work. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, they. You see, the Patriots, based on what I from afar, and as a former cleats, a professional athlete, they they perfect the details. They are a detail-oriented organization. That's what they do. And then and then Belichick brings in ballers that no one else wants. Or everybody said they washed up and they can't play and they're malcontents or whatever. And he has a knack of making all of that work. That's what that's the genius of Belichick. There's only other one. There's only one other coach I know that is like that in a sense is Pete Carroll. Other than that, but Belichick is the top of the month. Of Mount Rushmore, he's at the top. He's the top. When you compare 
coaches like that. Let's take a you know a Bill Belichick or Phil Jackson, uh, you know you know Pete Carroll, you know guys guys who consistently get teams to this level, and you know a couple of couple of coaches have done it with multiple teams. But, you know, and, and it's it's tough, but to be able to motivate people people each week, each year you know, consistently for a number of years, it takes a special kind of person. It's not just, oh, you've always had the right players and the right this and the right that. It takes a lot, a lot of effort on their part and a lot of, uh, you know, being able to spot the right talent from the players to the coaches to uh, assistants and trainers to be able to do this consistently. Yeah, you know, Belichick, well, he'll do, he'll see players, and he'll make a ball, he'll conform a system to a player. I've always said that, too. He doesn't make him conform to to, to the – he adjusts all the time based on what his personality is. Sure, you know, Tom Brady is the leader of the shifts, but also he's constantly developing and developing stuff around that's going to enhance Brady in, in the offensive system. And they do that on both sides of the ball based on who the personality is. And, that, and, that's, the, and that's the genius of him as well. I mean, he, in every phase of the game of coaching with him, he finds a way, and he, he incorporates stuff that's going to enhance his whole team overall, from special teams down to the, you know, I mean, down to uh, the guy on the sitting on the, the third, third, fourth, third, fourth string bench, guy on the bench. I mean, he could take a guy to backups and make him perform like the starters. Yeah. And then you know, a lot of people say, "Well, oh, man, so and so is coming. That's going to be a fall off." Well, not in the Patriot organization. They figure it out, and and they coach to the strengths. And they don't make a guy conform to a system. They build a system around the guy's talent or whoever's in there. I mean, for everybody on that field, on their on their roster, Belichick knows their strengths and weaknesses. That's another thing he's good at. Knowing each personnel on the team and knowing their strengths and weaknesses. And he builds around what they can do. That's Belichick. Some of the things... And you got to remember, remember, Tom Brady is is only thrown to one Hall of Famer. That's Randy Moss. That's Randy Moss. Wow. That's it. <laughs> and, if you, and, like, and, like, and like one year, you take, and then you tell how, how Belichick exposed one of the organizations. He had Corey Dillon that was in Cincinnati, and everybody said he was this, he was washed up, he was a Malcolm, he was bad in the locker room. He goes up to, the, 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 to New England, and the Belichick knew what he had in him. Not only did they win a Super Bowl with him, he led the league in rushing. Yeah. Now, you know that Cincinnati Bengals had to be exposed to that, having a guy, a mainstay, go to the Patriots, and he's the catalyst of going to the Super Bowl, along with Tom Brady. That's another big thing Belichick does. And now you have LeGarrette Blunt there, who's got two rings now, who's yeah. a major contributor to their success, too. You see, so you folks listening to what I have to say, some people want to say, hey, crazy. No, well, just check it out. The numbers don't lie. The players don't lie. The championships don't lie. Seven times in the Super Bowl, five championship times. And even when they lost the two, they were still in the game. And every year, they're knocking on the door. Yeah. Now, that's, that's a, that is a dynasty, okay? That is a football power dynasty. Say whatever you want. It's... <laughs> It's interesting that 
he's able to to pick players like that. And 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 you know, it's kind of what the Al Davis used to do with the Raiders. I mean, a lot of guys were considered washed up, malcontents, uh, the backside of their career. And he would pick these guys up and get the best out of them and win championships. And I think, um, you know, Belichick falls in the same that same school of thought. Well, historically, historically, I agree with you on that. Al Davis and Belichick historically have done it, but you know, uh, Belichick has gone beyond that. It's Belichick and everybody else now. Yeah, that's the way it is now. Historically, Belichick and everybody else. I'll put it in this order. I would go Belichick. I'll go Lombardi. Um, I'll probably go Knowles, Shula, and everybody else. But Belichick is blowing everything off the top. And who knows? They might win another one next year. Who knows? And I can tell you what. I mean, they're going to be there. They're going to be there again next year. Unless something catastrophic happens. I mean, it, 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 he will be there. Oh, you can't count them out. There's no way you can count them out. You know, you can't turn, you can't count out Tom Terrific, or whatever they want to call him, and 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 Belichick. Bel- and, 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 and Belichick. I mean, people say, people always tell me to use this word Belichick. Well, hey, let me tell you something. You can throw that away now. I mean, that we, we're all beyond all that crap. Because all that stuff they were trying to do, Tom. Everybody does that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, no good is you were city got caught. They got caught. The bottom line is what they what they made they made nothing out of a, a mole here out of a mountain. I mean that's ridiculous. And then what happened? You got embarrassed. The league got embarrassed, and the team you was the, the team that you were after ended up winning the Super Bowl in historic fashion. You yes. Know, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, you heard you, you heard what Kraft said, right? What crap? Yeah, I heard what he said. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, he, he was pissed off. I mean, I mean, you can see, you can, you can, he was pissed off at, at that ceremony. He was pissed off. Oh he yeah, was happy, but he was pissed off. <laughs> and and I, lo- I loved it. He said, he said, well, you know, two years ago when we won, people asked me how how this ranks. He says this is this is the greatest one ever. He said, but after what we've gone through the last two years. <laughs> This is the greatest whatever. In other words, in other words, you know, everybody talk about Jerry Jones. I mean, he is the one like he's like the the modern day Al Davis. You would say a little bit now. Yeah. Uh, just win. I mean, I don't know where he falls into that category, but all I can say to you, they run a tight ship, and I can tell you. I mean, I know a lot of ball presses. Man, how come I can't be with organizations like that? I, 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 I bet all the team in China, I believe that most ball players in the league, I wish I could be in that organization. I, I'm, I'm telling you. I believe a lot of them think like that. How come my organization can't be like the Patriots, how they run their organization? It's amazing. I, I, they, they have to think that way. I mean, I always, I always, I always want to say, you know something? Because if I'm a retired player, and, if I, and I would love to be in that situation, if I was playing today, I'd want to be with the Patriots. Oh, yeah. Because I know with my ability in a Patriots organization, the way Belichick coaches, I would flourish. I would flourish. Let's talk about somebody, one of the other owners real quick. Somebody needs to give uh, Arthur Blank a little heads up. You don't head to the sidelines before that last 
you know, seconds ticked off. I mean, here I watched I watched an old guy there smiling and grinning and pretty much dancing on the sidelines, and he turned to tears about 20 minutes later. You know, I got to really, you know, it really kind of bugs me. Jerry Jones says it too. These owners that go down to the sideline uh, to be with the players or stuff like that, and especially before the game's over, you know, you're the owner. You don't have to be hanging out on the sidelines. But it was really telling to watch a guy go down there so early. I think he was down there in the third quarter and, uh, you know, sit there and on the sidelines. I think he's got it in the bag and then watch the game get away. Well, I don't think he'll do that next time. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, from a psychological standpoint, I don't think he'll want to do that. He'll probably say, well, I was down in the, in the biggest game on stage, the Super Bowl. And, and you know, and, and I got we got blown away in the last second of the day in overtime. I'm just gonna sit up in, the, in my box and stay there until it's over. And you know, I mean, I mean, it had to hurt, man. It's, it's like they snatched their hearts out of their chest. That's what the Patriots did. They snatched it. Yeah. You out there, you out there doing your, your your victory dance, and all of a sudden, he they paralyzed you. You must have had one leg up and one leg on the ground, and they paralyzed you. Stood right there. I mean, it was amazing how they came back. And I said, I said at halftime, I said, well, they, they, I said they might be down, but they said the Patriots will make a game of this. That's what I said at halftime. They will oh, make yeah. a game of this. But uh, see it the way they came back, and hell, Atlanta fumbled all that away. That's amazing. That's amazing. In historic fashion, only the Patriots can do it and get away with it. And they did. <laughs> yeah, well, Tom terrific. Rode off in the rode off in the moonlight. <laughs> Basically said, "How you like me now?" How <laughs> <laughs> you like me now? Yeah, you guys. I was 199 pick. Most you guys just Well, guess what? Five Super Bowls later, how you like me now? Exactly, exactly. They're already they're already carving up those busts for him and Belichick, ready to go in Cooperstown or not Cooperstown? That's baseball. They might as well put a bus in there already right now. They don't even have to do it. <laughs> <laughs> you put those guys in there, and they can still keep playing and coaching. <laughs> Oh my gosh! It, well, it was uh, it was a great season, and it, 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 you know the, the playoffs were entertaining and, and, and interesting, and um, you know there's some things there that we saw throughout the year with the concussion protocol and things like that. That um, for safety purposes is a great thing, but uh, some of the instant replay stuff seems to drag a lot of the time in some of these games. But I think overall we saw we saw a great season. A great season, but like I said, Erden, the first thing we said in the, in the beginning of this of this uh, broadcast tonight is that as great as everything is, and great as everything we saw, that had concussion protocols a serious deal, and a lot of the fans cheer on your players, but some of your great fan, great, your great players were in the shadows, suffering from concussion. So. All the great things we talked about, that's one of the main issues that we have to deal with and tackle down the road. Yeah. You know, in, in the future, you know, I know you talk about 
prevention and things you can do uh, to protect yourself and stuff like that. As, but as far as the equipment goes and the, and the NFL's response uh, with with the protocol and things like that, do you think that stuff is moving in the right direction? Well, it can move in the right direction. I mean, you know, it, it, it's a good thing today. I mean, first of all, this should never have been a, like a lawsuit. First of all, it should have been preventative. It should have been proactive. And, that, and what we're trying to do and what I'm trying to advocate is, hey, look, okay, you, you know it's there. You know it's, it's damaging. Start helping them now. Start setting things up now. If these guys can perform on the field and do what they do for the love of the game, at least you can do is take care of them while they play and after they play. And, you know, as far as the development of new helmets, unfortunately, Keith, uh, the problem is when you get hit, your brain rattles. I don't care if you put a tank around your head. You know, it, it, might, it, it might soften it, but it, it, the damage is going to be done because it, the brain rolls around. The outside of the brain is smooth. The inside of the brain is jarred like, like sharp edges, and that brain is rattling around. So, I mean, the thing is, you can have all the helmet technology you want, but as that brain shakes is where the damage comes. And anybody will tell you that. Like I say, it's a great game, but it's a dangerous game. And if yeah. you play the game, if you play the game, you got to treat the brain. If you don't treat the brain, okay, the brain will fade. And if you don't treat the brain, the brain will die. That's just the unfortunate thing about brain injury. And football is one of those issues. You got football. You got the soldiers coming back. You got MMA fighting. You got boxing. You got soccer. You got you got NASCAR. So you got all those things that are very dangerous. And and I would have to say football is repetitive. And it's a consistent thing. As great as it is, we got to take note of that. Wow, absolutely. Well, AD, as always, it's a pleasure to have a chance to chat and talk about these things and and what's happening in the world of uh, just the world around us, not just sports. We we sometimes we touch touch on other things, but uh, well, it's great to have a chance to chat, and uh, we'll we'll do it again real soon, man. Okay, my pleasure, Swoop. Take uh, care. You too. The great Anthony Davis, everybody. We always have a good time with talking to AD and uh, getting his thoughts on things and what's happening in the world. So it's uh, it's always a pleasure. We're going to take a quick break and come back and wrap things up. You're listening to Swoops World on the Talk Story Radio Network, and we'll be back right after this.
And welcome back to Swoops World on the Talk Story Radio Network. That was Black Whiskey Union, and that's called Please Don't Go. We want to thank Anthony Davis for joining us today, and uh, always have a good time with AD. And we want to thank you for tuning in to Swoops World Late Night, sponsored by HealthyNewDay.com. Until then, dream as if you'll live forever, and live as if you'll die today. Good night, all. The views and opinions expressed by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Talk Story Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors.